And hello out there to all you Brooklyn folk and beyond. This is Sam Maxwell, and you are here with the Bedford and Sullivan podcast, the podcast that keeps you, the audience, active listeners in the Brooklyn Dodgers TV series research process. And we like to set the mood, you know, this isn't a Dodgers podcast as much as it's a Brooklyn podcast. We do talk baseball on here a lot. Baseball, of course, has to do with an autumn, uh, has to do with the autumn, but Today, we're going to focus it specifically specifically on Brooklyn in the autumn. And without further ado, let me bring on my co-conspirator on this Brooklyn Bedford and Sullivan podcast, and that is the Brooklyn trolley blogger himself, Mike LeColon. What's going on, Mike? How do you do? I'm all right. Cool. Good. Well, so we're, here's where I start. And let's just start broad. When you think of the autumn, when you think of the fall, the changing of the seasons, what what is the first thing that comes to mind when it comes to Brooklyn specifically? That this is my favorite time of year, weather-wise, sports-wise, activity-wise. This this is, uh, again, the greatest time of year for me. This is when I, I, I get inspired to travel a lot. In fall, September, October, November, uh, here locally in New York, you know, metropolitan area, go to here, go there. Uh, obviously, the change of colors, but it's the crisp, the crispness in the air, change of temperature. I love that. I love sweater weather. So when you say fall, I think hoodie, sweater, and things of that nature. And really gassing up the car and going somewhere, you know, anywhere from 50 to 100 miles out. Uh, I dig it. Uh, this is the time of year to get, get in those last walks, those last bits of outdoor activity. Uh, today's my wife's birthday, so I would also say that, you know, this is the time of year. Happy birthday. Uh, I said, yeah, I, I said outdoor activities, but, you know, weather like this is perfect for taking in a Broadway show, not having to rush outside and into a cab because it's so damn cold or so damn hot. You know, and and just strolling around, picking a place to have a drink or a bite to eat. Uh, so for me, you know, autumn is about sweaters, walking around, getting around, traveling. And, of course, uh, I, I love to get into Prospect Park. Again, walking, you know, and sometimes you got to change up your routine, walk here, walk there, try to walk everywhere, you know. And, and then, of course, the sports scene, basketball, Hockey gets started, and, you know, football's in full swing. And, of course, uh, the baseball playoffs. I love baseball playoffs. I don't care who's in the baseball playoffs. I love baseball playoffs. <laughs> so let's start there with the baseball playoffs. And, you know, for me, when I see that Dodgers uniform, um, which, of course, they're still in the thick of it, Yes, they've been in Los Angeles for as long as they have been. However, there is still something that feels like like every so often, like throughout every game that I watch with the Dodgers, you just think, God, it's such a great uniform. They've obviously settled into Los Angeles. Like the, the community has, has embraced them. But something still feels uh, awry. Am I, am I correct? Do you get that feeling when watching the Los Angeles Dodgers or, or as somebody once uh, called, it, called them to me, the Brooklyn Dodgers of Los Angeles? 
<laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I still feel that every time I watch them. Uh, you know, I, I just like the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, and yet there's a place in my heart for the Brooklyn Dodgers. They will never die. And you're right. Uh, the uniform continues unchanged. And and Dodger Stadium, for that matter, you know, aesthetically at least, remains unchanged. So we, we have no separation. You understand? We went from Ebbets Field to that place out in Chavez Ravine, and it remains unchanged. It's almost a slap in the face. You know, I wish there were two or three stadiums into this already. I would have lost some of that. A lingering connection, but there is none. It's Dodger Stadium in the same uniform. Yeah, and that's troublesome sometimes. Well, they really did. I mean, like you know, you look, you 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 focus in on the Los Angeles part, and obviously, we're not going to go down a, a complete rabbit hole with the changing of the Dodgers from Brooklyn to Los Angeles. However, there is something about the fact that, like you know, Los Angeles didn't get any team. The Los Angeles was like, oh, my God, we're getting the Dodgers. Uh, you know what? If we're going to go down the rabbit hole, let's jump in with both feet. Before the Dodgers, before World War II, the St. Louis Browns were very close to moving to Los Angeles. They were already investigating that. They were already looking into it. Uh, they had thought that up. And then the war hit. Uh, and that kind of changed things. Right. And, and so I think a good segue would be that the Dodgers were supposed to, in some, you know, uh, alternate reality, they were supposed to go to Atlantic Avenue. Uh, they didn't. They wound up in Los Angeles. Uh, Walter O'Malley got the land that he couldn't get in New York. And in it, the, the place, and if you really, you know, consider the sport of Brooklyn going from as the sandlots got paved for blacktops, the sport of Brooklyn uh, became basketball in many ways. And there, uh, having much to do with the autumn itself and, and taking off very shortly, uh, is the new professional team that Brooklyn has, and that is the basketball Brooklyn Nets. Indeed, they kicked off their season yesterday, a resounding loss against the Milwaukee Bucks. But you mentioned Hardtop and, uh, you know, the Dodgers moving out west. It was part of a greater demise of baseball in Brooklyn because semi-pro baseball here in Brooklyn was huge immensely popular uh, and the times changed I mean from the teens in the 20s through the 40s uh, that was that was incredible baseball here in, in the borough you know on any given day three locations not even including the Dodgers would have games going on a game in Bay Ridge a game right here on 15th Avenue and 86th Street a game on McDonald Avenue and Avenue M, where the Bay Parkway Dukes played. But, you know, uh, the Dodgers' move out west was part of a greater demise, like I say, of baseball in Brooklyn. Semi-pro circuits, they started going under. More and more teams started disappearing. 
and ultimately the Bushwicks, the most popular and probably the most successful team, you know, they also went under. So it was part of a greater dilemma here going on in the borough. You know, we always bring it up how prohibition ruined the beer industry here in the borough and B, closure of the Brooklyn Navy Yard. You know, uh, that, that was just a, a double shot uh, employment-wise and, and, you know, uh, socially-wise because that's where you met friends. That's where you congregated, things of that nature. And uh, that's how you sustain families here in the borough. Yeah, it's, and you know, it's still happening. You still see, and that's why I think Brooklyn, more so than many of the the places, of the boroughs, you still see that resounding independence. Just, I don't just think it has to do with the fact that I and you and others know the history of Brooklyn as its own city, but the demise that you speak of, arguably, you could really go down this rabbit hole that that had started back when Brooklyn lost its independence. Had Brooklyn kept some of its independence? I mean, I, I guess you'd really have to like like do a simulation almost to consider all the different factors that would have led maybe Walter O'Malley to staying, maybe some of the company. Who knows exactly what it is. But there, there's right. something about the fact that Brooklyn, of all the places, became part of the city that was easily the most reluctant to do so. Yeah, you know, take a nostalgic and historical view of Brooklyn a lot of times. But, you know, let us not forget that future generations, present generations, Gen, Gen Z, uh, millennials, they're, you know, they're having their own experience and they have a different narrative of Brooklyn. Throughout the 90s and, and 2000s, uh, I mean, people were just pouring into Brooklyn from all parts of the country. You know, put it in quotes, it became, Williamsburg in particular became one of the most popular places in the country. You know, so those people will have their stories of Brooklyn to tell 50 years from now. Uh, you know, so I, I don't want to get trapped in this old guy discussion. Uh, Brooklyn is forever changing <laughs> it's just that my it's just that my way of growing up, maybe your experience is growing up, and somebody else's experience growing up here in Brooklyn, they're always changing, you know. So you have a young crowd here in Brooklyn who, again, will write their own narrative. We, you, I, you know, uh, we have different narratives. Some we share, uh, some are individual to you know each other. And and so let's go back to like you said about the hoodies, the the weather. Um, it, it, you know, the city and and New York, uh, Brooklyn itself, they they don't get like nobody says flock to the city for the foliage. But would you say that there's certain places, both in the uh, boroughs, Manhattan, Brooklyn, and otherwise? Uh, not to give any, not not that I'm like leaving them out verbally, <laughs> but I, I'm just curious. Like when it comes to like like it, it's interesting to me in terms of Manhattan because Manhattan's a, a special type, and there are areas that you can find foliage, whereas Queens, the Bronx, and Staten Island obviously are going to be a little bit more forested than Manhattan. But 
there, you know, there is still some wood going on in Manhattan. Absolutely. You go up to the northern tip, you know, and it's a lot like the way it was a long time ago. Uh, yeah, you could find it in Manhattan, definitely, obviously, Central Park. But, you know, uh, the northern tip of Manhattan is 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 vastly underspoken and appreciated and explored. You know, so I encourage people, go, go north, young people, and explore. Uh, but you talk about the outer boroughs. Uh, Brook Zoo is a phenomenal place to go to in autumn. You know, because of the greenery that in, in which the zoo surrounds itself with, uh, awesome place to go in, in autumn. And of course, here in Brooklyn, you got Prospect Park, uh, and certain parts of it, yeah, were designed. Other parts of it are pretty representative of what they were way back when. So, where else would you go? Prospect Park, of course, is probably the most uh, gathered area of, of trees in Brooklyn still existing. So is there anywhere else that, that you think that somebody should go, not just for the trees, but just a generally good fall experience over there? Absolutely. And like I said, it's sweater, sweater weather. So get out there, put a hoodie on, put a sweater on or a light jacket and walk. The downtown promenade overlooking lower Manhattan. Take it in, catch a view, take a picture. The promenade over by me, Bay Parkway, over by the Verizona Bridge. You know, you have several miles there to just take advantage and, you know, breathe in this nice cooling air. Uh, I have a telescope. I haven't been out there in a few years, but I used to go there on the promenade uh, in the autumn. I would wait till the autumn because why? You had more night to to experience and see things go by. Uh, and I would you know, try to identify constellations as best I could and just poke around the night sky. You know, I haven't done that in about three years. Obviously, the pandemic changed everything in life for, you know, just about everyone insofar as day-to-day activities and what we used to do, what we're doing now, and what we hope to do in the future. But, uh, yeah, again, Brooklyn, hit the waterfront. Coney Island, the boardwalk, all the way from Coney Island. Walk, take in that breeze. One last time before the winter sets in, you know, uh, undeniable beauty out there just walking around. You know, it's cool, it's calming, and it gives you a chance to collect your thoughts. So while I am not currently on location in Brooklyn, I am currently walking around um, New Jersey. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I've mentioned it on here. I work in New Jersey, and so I uh, I find myself here. And and he, how here's how I'm I'm tying it all together from certain parts of you know Hoboken and the surrounding cliffs of Hoboken in, in the area. Um, you can see Brooklyn now. What's so interesting about the area is that we forget how close everything is. That the only thing that really stops us from being able to see for miles and miles and miles are the skyscrapers. But there's certain particular areas where you can see straight over, not only to Staten Island, but downtown Brooklyn. And what's interesting about Jersey is that Jersey gathered together kind of the Brooklyn attitude because so many people, if they didn't go to Staten Island, if they didn't go to Long Island, they ended up moving to New Jersey from Brooklyn. Right. 
Uh, look, we have and, what, and, and, and just, uh, just real, real quick before we before like the promenade that you were talking about can be seen directly from here, and that's really like as far as you can see because of all the buildings, you know. <laughs> Especially on a clear night during autumn. With those sunsets, a giant sun, it's remarkable. It's awesome. To me, it's the best time to go out there and check out the night sky, the setting sun. It's a wonderful time of year. But you're right. On a clear night, uh, all those twinkling lights, you know, it's a universe unto itself. Yeah, it's, it's such a fascinating area, you know, that I, even though I see the way that the entire – area hasn't been incorporated i still wish that brooklyn had its independence now obviously i'm, I'm getting a little tangenting about how independently how, how, how much brooklyn has an independent chip on its shoulder um as opposed to our autumn talk but you know even even around here where you just see how like basically the heart of the entire area is manhattan uh, in many ways, just basically pumping blood in and out of it every day. Um, it's just Brooklyn to me is exactly what you want out of New York City. It's the perfect amalgamation of, of like Manhattan. I, you know, I'm from Manhattan, but I still sometimes feel that like in the middle of a Wednesday at like 11 a.m. at 34th Street, as all the kids are starting to come in to the matinees and all, all, all the old folks and all the buses are coming in from all over the place. Midtown Manhattan on a Wednesday, like you, you, you better find somewhere to relax after that. And Brooklyn's the place. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, you could still, you could be a native New Yorker and still feel like a stranger in a strange town in Manhattan. Sometimes that will take you over. There's just so much stimulus going around in Manhattan, wherever you are. Whereas in Brooklyn, everything you want is here, quite literally. You want it, it's here. There's no reason to leave. But, you know, it's just that one tick slower gives you a little bit more of a chance to digest and soak things in and, you know, Sometimes you get lost in the hustle and bustle. Even as you say, on an off hour in Manhattan, it's still busy. It's as busy, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning as it is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But here in Brooklyn, you feel the morning time, you feel the afternoon, you feel the evening, and you feel the night. You know, they're different. Uh, I like the way you just said life, that. Life itself is, is different here. Uh and it's unique. It's unique. And it's unlike Queens, Staten Island, Bronx, and the surrounding boroughs of New Jersey. You know, let's not forget <laughs> New York City. Let's not forget New York City is a, a, a place of 8 million people, but the surrounding area, the metropolitan area, is 15 million plus. You know, so I, I don't say that to mock the outlying areas, but it's true. The Jersey... Connecticut, you know, tri-state area, 50-mile radius, you know, everyone here feeds off of New York City. You mentioned the Broadway shows and what what 
popped into my head was that you're absolutely right about it feeling on like, you know, going to a Broadway show, you know, dressed in your old school mink, obviously, I think there's less people wearing fur these days, but like, that's what pops into my head. And in this particular instance, in this, in this particular year, however, this is literally such an autumn thing because they haven't had it for a year and a half, I I think, exactly. Right, you know, it's it's a time of year where you get to play dress up, you know, without having to break a sweat or having to over bundle because it's too cold. It's perfect. It's perfect. You know, spring, you can leave the house dressed one way, and the rest of the, and the rest of the day will turn out another way. In autumn, you know what the rest of the day is going to be like once you leave the house, and that's a great way to plan a day. Well said. So why don't we bring it back to your neighborhood, Bensonhurst, Bensonhurst, Brooklyn in autumn. Bensonhurst, Brooklyn in autumn. I'll I'll take it to my backyard, you know, clearing up from the summer growth, uh, harvest tomatoes and the vegetables and the parsley and things of that nature. So I'm in cleanup mode and now I'm, feeding off my bounty. Uh, all my tomatoes that remain green, that's why I overplant tomatoes, all the ones that remain green, I pickle. And I eat them throughout the winter with steaks, with burgers, with sandwiches. They're delicious. You know, so I spend the summer growing and I spend autumn and, 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 and wintertime eating. <laughs> But it also means cleanup, yeah, as you and should. that's autumn. Yeah, it also means cleanup, I, and I that means like, getting out in the backyard and pulling everything out and, you know, putting everything to bed. Now, I think, and, and, and what's so beautiful about this is that you, you're talking about the harvest. You're talking about something that, that you wouldn't necessarily consider when thinking about Brooklyn Autumn 2021. But hey, look, you know, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a lot of us. There's, there's a lot of pagans here in Brooklyn, man. We grow, we harvest, and <laughs> look, tomorrow is the tomorrow's the autumnal equinox. So, you know, maybe I'll have an offering of vegetables in my backyard or something. Well, at least it'll be perfect for the uh, the photo opportunity uh, for for, for uh, you know your autumn. Uh, <laughs> Uh, card that you'll you'll be sending around. I do want to throw out because I do know that um, filmmaker Phil Maylard was supposed to be on the uh, show, and I I don't believe he's going to be able to make it. So we just want to give our best to Phil and uh, hope that uh, he has a, a great evening. And sorry that he couldn't make it. Um, uh, so, Mike, where, where where do you want to send us? Oh. Uh, let's let's get back on the road. You know, I, I know we're we're Brooklyn based and Brooklyn centric, but getting on the road for those who haven't been, go to Tarrytown, go to Sleepy Hollow. Halloween's coming up. It's a great little town. You ever been there? Yes. Uh, what was the last one you said? Uh, the last time I went was uh, eight. No, 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 I'm sorry. What was the last town you? What was the last town you said? Because I heard Sleepy Hollow and Tarrytown, but I might have, I might have missed. No, the last that's one. it. I said, I said Tarrytown and Sleepy Hollow. And I will go here in terms of of the autumn 
just if you can take a boat ride up the Hudson and see all of the towns that you're talking about, please do so. I agree. But if not, like take like either decide to go on the west side or the east side and then alternate when you come back down. I agree. I agree. Uh, I I don't know. Is the, is uh, not the Circle Line, but is the Day Line still in operation? They used to go to Bear Mountain. Huh. I that's a good question. Whether there's a Bear Mountain, uh, I'll, I'll look it up while we're on this thing. But um, have you been to Cold Spring? No, not in a, I I was there as a kid. Uh, I remember oh, going up beautiful. there, but uh, no, no. Uh, although, yeah, so, uh, I, you uh, and, know, and, this time of year, this time of year, I ventured all the way up, you know, as far as Lake George, you know, it's just beautiful upstate this time of year, downstate as well. Yeah. And I, I'll also, uh, throw anybody who wants to get out of Brooklyn for a hot second this autumn, uh, not only go to Cold Spring, but just up uh, on top of Cold Spring is also Beacon and there's supposed to be a hiking trail there. Now, Mike, I'm not sure if you've ever gone. I've never gone. But there's apparently no. – God, I'm trying to – I'm spacing on the mountain, but it, it is the beacon stop on the Metro North and Amtrak. No. Uh, that, that escapes me. Yeah, same. And I guess I'll just have to, to do some map – I'll do some map questing as if it were uh, 2006, <laughs> but, um, you know, but let's I, I keep right on saying traveling and getting out and little road trips because odds are wherever you go, you're going to have the place all to yourself. Like I say, hmm. this is that last chance to get it all in and odds are wherever you go, you're going to have the place all to yourself city wise, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that that is for sure. Um, have you ever been? And and we're traveling a little bit uh, here, but why, why don't we start in terms of going from Brooklyn to Queens? Yeah, there it is, Highland Park. I'm sure you've been to Highland Park, but this is you know this is a a, a uh, park that borders Queens and Brooklyn, I believe. Um, I'm correct when I say that, right? It it, it does cover both both boroughs. It touches, yeah. Well, I guess Highland Park goes into Forest Park, and so Forest Park is the queen section of this this place, correct? Yeah, you know, that that that's where I mix everything into one. You know, to me, it's one place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this must be quite the the spot, both Highland Park and Highland Park has one of the most picturesque natural spots I've ever seen. And if I showed it to you, you'd never think you were right in the middle of a park in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. Nice place. Uh, I think it was like maybe three years. I was coming down Woodhaven Boulevard in Queens. Uh, I was coming home from my mom's house and uh, I said to myself, I have nothing. This right hand turned into the park and see what what the hell's going on in here, wherever wherever it leads me. And that's what I did. And right um, right here are also the cemeteries. And Jackie right. Robinson is buried in Cypress Hill. Right. But that's in Brooklyn. Close to the border, but in Brooklyn. 
Yes, of course. I mean, it's when you're passing that, it's hard sometimes to differentiate. But I guess if you really knew your cemeteries over here, then they're going to be denominations. And well, Mount uh, Lebanon. Put it this way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, put it this way: Had the Dodgers stayed at Eastern Park, we'd be uh, talking about that area of Brooklyn hmm. a lot more. <laughs> I mean, like, when you look at it, you're looking at the map of Brooklyn, and you see where he put the the park, you can't, it makes perfect sense, um, including in the fact that, like, Park Slope, like, could you imagine had they built a, a park, a ballpark in Park Slope, like, it just, it, it, it's the same idea uh, in some fashion, a little bit different in terms of comparison, but when thinking about a West Side Stadium for the Jets, it just it didn't compute at this particular time. And thinking about a ballpark right smack in the middle of Park Slope, and it, and and the place just wouldn't have developed exactly. The, you know, it basically was in many ways because they moved, it was able to keep its Park Slopeian charm. I would would you agree? Is that a fair assessment? Ah. Uh. I don't know. I'm torn on that one. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Flatbush and Atlantic Avenue were just as busy then as now. It's always been the borough's most busiest intersection. Uh, the Long Island Railroad was already there, and that's what uh, Robert Moses, that was his main issue. He didn't want to, you know, He didn't want anything interfering with his uh, infrastructure dreams. Uh, I, I'm not so sure. Uh, I don't know. That's tough. Uh, that's a tough call. Uh, I mean, Brooklyn is forever changing. Uh, yeah. Tough call. I don't know. I don't know. Hard to say. Well, you are listening... You are listening to the Bedford and Sullivan podcast. We've reached the half hour mark. Um, and, you know, considering, let me see if, uh, yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I don't think Phil's going to make it. So, so Mike, I, I think we're, we can, you know, lean on the shorter end since we're, you know, one of the reasons why we do some of these, these uh, seasonal podcasts is just to try to get my, my, uh, my engine jump started again. So as always, Mike, I appreciate you helping me do that. So before we, <laughs> no we wrap it up, I'll go. I'll go to you first. Uh, first, before me, as to what what do you think you'd be remiss if we didn't mention about autumn in Brooklyn on this podcast? Oh, you know what? You know, it's just so frustrating with this pandemic. Here we are in year two. Things are still back to normal. Uh, And we're still striving to get there. Uh, Me personally, I haven't ventured out much in two years. You know, I've been staying in place, doing what I do on the trolley. Uh, But I think that's it. You know, I, I I would only stress outdoor activities. Uh, it's a good time for wine. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good time for a nice dark beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you, you go with the light beers. You go with a, a crystal type beer in the springtime and the summer. Uh, but autumn, 
uh, definitely turned to a dark, dark lagers and a Guinness, something of that nature, or in Germany as they call them, Duperbachs. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's 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 what I think about in autumn. You know. Uh, well, I, I think foodie. that's a good uh, that's a good direction. Really quickly to go is that I, I've become a big fan of imperial stouts, and Brooklyn itself oh. has really uh, gathered themselves properly when it comes to some of these craft imperial stouts. Um, I, do I know one off the top of my head? Not particularly. I tried a great Brooklyn uh, beer the other day that was an Indian pale ale, and oh god, oh geez, how am I spacing on the name? Regardless, one way or another, let's stay on the Imperial Stouts. There are so many craft beers out there in Brooklyn right now, craft breweries. Everybody yeah. uh, heed, heed Mike's words about stouts currently. It is a particularly great time to have them, uh, whether it's it really chocolate is. stout, uh, um, milk stout, uh, vanilla bean stout. I, I'm really loving what, what is going on in the craft brewery world right now, Mike. I, I agree. You you nailed it. Good call by you. Uh, you know, check it out. Check it out. Uh, there's a scene over in uh, where Washington Park used to be, craft beer scene over there, Williamsburg, Greenpoint, it's got one going on over there. Uh, great time for it. Like you said, get into the stout. And so is that your final word, stout? <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Uh, it's a great time for let's it. Let's go you know? with that. It really is. I mean, as somebody who went to oh. uh, two real actual Oktoberfests in Germany, uh, yeah, it, <laughs> uh, it brings us back a good taste. Yeah, they're really, you know, I think what ends up happening uh, is that you get yeah, – Every generation, you be, you need fans basically. You, not just like from a, like a perspective of baseball fans, but you need fans who taste things and say, "I like this, but I can make it better." And that's what's basically you know, happened with the craft brewery explosion. Yeah, man. Look, winter's great for hot chocolate. Summer's great for lemonade. But autumn, nice stout, nice Guinness. <laughs> Exactly, man. Um, and without further ado, you have been listening to the Bedford and Sullivan podcast. I will go with my final word being uh, crisp. That's what I like about this time. Once the air turns crisp, and that's what I like about the air in Brooklyn around this time. Um, whether it's beer, whether it's the foliage, uh, whether it's Broadway. Uh, there's plenty of things to do, not only in Brooklyn, but within New York around autumn. And like he says, get outdoors, but also with Broadway, they haven't made money in a year and a half. And, and you, you know, a lot of people immediately think to themselves, oh, you know, they're rich. They don't need anything. Most people within the entertainment industry are not rich. Stop grouping everybody into the, to whatever Hollywood elite you want to rail against and consider the fact that the majority of people in the entertainment industry are blue-collar workers who suffered over the last year and a half because they couldn't work. Go to a Broadway show. I need to heed my words. I haven't been to a Broadway show in a long time. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Bedford & Sullivan podcast. We're going to uh, rev these up a little bit more. Thank you again, Mike. Thank you. 
Phil Maillard, uh, uh, check out Tomorrow Media, everybody, for a shameless plug right there, tomorrowmedia.com. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Good night.